Hello and welcome to Midi Blabber. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Yeah, but Tonya, Tonya, come here. And for those of you that do not speak Tunisian, welcome to Meet Me. We want to do that again. At the movies. Oh, okay. Oh, we'll oh, we'll welcome to Meet Me at the movies. I am Noel T. Man in the second, uh, hanging out with a bunch of cool folks. Uh, we're gonna what? We're gonna we're gonna shake things Where up. Where are they? That is Abe Froman. That's right, the sausage king of Cleveland County, right here. Abe Froman. Abe, welcome. I'm working on liver mode. Good to see to you. Diversify. Good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see. You. It's, it's great to be here. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, we're also glad to have back with us uh, to my right, uh, Mr. Christian. Jessup. Well, I'm just honored you called me cool. That, that, yeah. that, that, that's quite the honor. Not many people have given to me. So, well, so. you know, I've never been called. Cool. I, I, like if I thought he meant it. I'd be touched, but I don't. Well, see, now I'm wondering. Yeah. We're just in there together. So. I, I, I can't I just, believe him half yeah. the time. I, I, I like to butter people up and then I like <laughs> to tear them down. That is Christian Jessup, the Critics' Choice Scholar. Um, Catherine's not with us this week. She's uh. doing scholarly activities. Uh, so we'll, we'll have her back at some point. And so, uh, in other words, she had better things to do. <laughs> yes, had better things to do. I wish uh, I had. Back in the uh, in the studio in the editing suite. Uh, let's look at the Tim cam. Let's see who's uh, there. Hey, look, there's Tim, Tim the Miranda. What, what? I, I see some arm. I in think the back. Joe. Hey, Joe, Joe, it's Joe. Welcome, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here, man. Uh, he's doing the little he rabbit some, ears. He made thing. some hand signals with his hand hands out of. <laughs> Hope you guys are doing well. We get well. those around here anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, we do appreciate you uh, listening. Uh, appreciate you watching. If you are listening through the podcast or um, online, wgwg.org, uh, you can always email us here at C19TV for your comments, questions, viewer mail, non-viewer mail. What's that email address, Greg? I was afraid you'd ask. Info at C19.TV. That's right. I'm going to ask that of Christian a little bit later, and we'll see if he When I came up with that address, you'd think I'd know it, Dude, right? that is the most awesome of email addresses that you could have ever come up with. Speaking of so, buttering up, what does he want from Nicely us? done. Yeah, uh, Nicely done. There has to be to some a, hidden motive here. You need to no. take this to an hour, don't you? No, no, no. No, it's not happening. We've got a lot to talk about today. A lot of movies, uh, including uh, three in theaters, and, uh, and also we're going to do a take five if we get to it. Uh, tried to get to it last week with Christian talking about Perfect scores, perfect film scores, yeah. and uh, so we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we'll start off with a film, a uh, western, uh, that is in theaters now. It's called Hostiles, or for those of you that want to pronounce it differently, Hostiles. You can choose, but uh, after speaking to Wes Studi, who actually stars in this film, he says Hostiles, Mr. Manning. You spoke uh, to him? Uh, no. Well, yeah, you, you've known I him did, anyway. I did work with him, yeah. and, and I will say this about Wes Studi. Uh, if you saw Last of the Mohicans, uh, he was the bad guy. He was Magua. Very and nice. Last of the Mohicans, and he was a really evil character, but he was probably the nicest person I met during the whole um, course of filming, other than Daniel Day-Lewis, but Wes Studi, quite amazing. Um, this film stars Wes Studi, uh, Christian Bell, also Rosamund Peake uh, in this, and it is a Western. Uh, it takes place in 1892, New Mexico, and um, it, it's one of those really raw, raw Westerns, and what I mean by raw, it feels realistic. Um, there are, uh, are issues, you're, you're seeing a, a very wild, raw, and untamed frontier. But you're seeing the, the Native Americans who have been displaced and, and being kind of put, in, put on reservations, and some are just being put in stockades. You're seeing that, that issue of, of the white man being pretty evil and dis, you know, um, disrespectful to anything that doesn't make them happy. You're seeing that unfold, but you're also seeing the savagery 
of the Native Americans, uh, in some instances, taking on uh, just settlers on farms and wiping out whole families. So you're seeing both sides of, of the issue going on here. But in the story itself, um, you've got Christian Bell's character who um, has really grown up through the ranks of a, of a military officer, and he's done everything that's been asked of him. And if that means killing women and children who are Native uh, Americans, he's done it without question because that's been what he's called to do. Well, uh, and, and so he has no love for, for those that are different than he is. And, and so he's been now asked to take this uh, dying chief to Montana, back to his homeland. This dying chief has cancer. We're, we're told he has cancer. And that was the one thing I'm like, okay, did they have a name for cancer in 1892? <laughs> I don't know. Be worth yeah. some researching. You know, I don't know. But they do, they do mention that he's dying, and um, they've worked out this agreement to take him back to his homeland. And so Christian Bale, who, very obvious, his character hates the Native Americans, is ordered to transport safely this dying chief and his family to Montana from New Mexico. And he has paperwork, and he, and he has to deal with his whole internal things as well. Uh, Rosamund Pig's character early on in the film, um, her whole family is murdered savagely by, um, by a, a, a tribe. Um, and so she has to deal, uh, and she's picked up along the way, and so she has to deal with overcoming her fear and her anger toward these people that are within this same group. And it's a group of just uh, you know, less than a dozen that are making this trip. And every character conflict you can imagine shows up in this particular film. Uh, I will say it's one of the best Westerns that I've seen in years. Uh, every year, you know, you'll see a Western pop up, but this right. one is solid uh, on, on really every single level. Uh, very authentic from the technical aspects of it, set design, uh, the costuming, the uh, just the beautiful landscapes were all there. Music, sound, cinematography, casting, the editing, the dialogue, all of that was really, really solid. Um, there are scenes in this movie of pure emotion without dialogue. Mm. Uh, there are scenes that you get to see uh, Christian Bell's character in just total anger and, and, and other times in total anguish, and there's no dialogue and there's no sound except for just this musical score, That's and it was just, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Hard to watch at times because violent. of the realistic aspect of it, very violent, um, a strong cast, and a lot of faces you're gonna recognize uh, in this film. Uh, and also, um, the uh, character growth for the two main characters, Rosamund Pig's character and Christian Bale, really amazing. Uh, this is a film that I, I really wish the studios would have pushed earlier. Um, in award season, I wish they had pushed this, pushed this, pushed this, because I think this would have ended up on my best of list for the year. Wow. Uh, really solid film. I'm giving this an A rating. Um, so I'm really happy when I get a chance to see Westerns. Um, I grew up uh, watching Westerns and war films with my grandfather, uh, who loved them. And yeah, I was so, going to ask you if you liked Westerns. Yeah, yeah. It's kind I, of an acquired taste, maybe. Yeah, it is, and I always have, and I think for me it does take me back to, to my childhood of watching those films with my grandfather. But it does sound like this was a much different Western than maybe what we've been used to seeing on the screen. Is yeah, that true? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, um, you know, I think in recent years we, we've seen more of those films that, that have that kind of realistic feel to yeah, it. I, I think, think that started with Silverado. Back well, in the yeah, Silverado did, but it, it, was, it had a lot of comedy thrown in yeah. for the sake of comedy. But I think Unforgiven yeah. with Clint Eastwood mm. really, 
you know, really took it to to a different level. And so I I, I would put this on par with Unforgiven. Wow. You know, it's not going to get um, the the acclaim. It, it's you know kind of under the radar. It is in wide release now, but I highly recommend Hostiles, uh, which is and now it's playing in here in Shelby. It is playing here in yeah. Shelby as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Questions, thoughts before we move on? Phantom Thread? Uh, no, no, not really. Okay. Uh, I've never been a huge Western fan. My dad did did like them. Um, uh, probably the last Western I saw that I truly enjoyed was True Grit. Yeah. The, mm. the Coen Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rebooted. Yeah. Well, yeah. both. I like both for different reasons. Yeah. But yeah. the latest one was just fantastic. Well, let me the Revenant did not really get me very excited. Yeah, you know, yeah, we could spend some time talking about The Revenant. Yeah. I, I thought, um, yeah, I had my issues with The Revenant. I thought it had some good qualities, bad qualities. Yeah. But there was one thing of this, the theme, I think, that, that holds true throughout this whole movie is one of the characters, uh, and this is kind of a supporting character that's kind of thrown in um, midway through, he says, you know, we're all guilty of something. Mm. Nobody's completely innocent. And I think that holds true because um, even the, you know, the issues that people were having with each other, they, weren't, they were guilty of, of having issues for different reasons. And so it's, it speaks to race, it speaks to, um, or to racial conflicts, it speaks to who we are and um, the choices we make in life. Uh, and, and when you're ordered to do something, should you always go through with it mm-hmm. if you're ordered to do it for the for the wrong reason so really solid film. interestingly very timely perhaps yeah i think so these days I, it's very relevant very yeah. relevant for today yeah absolutely yeah. Well, let's talk about uh the uh, the only oscar nominated film i have not seen uh the movie is called phantom thread with uh daniel day lewis uh love this guy he is retiring or so he says. So this could be our last chance at seeing uh, seeing him on screen. He was with West Duty. He was with West Duty and Last the Mohicans. We have a theme a here. Bunch of other films. Uh, you don't see uh, Daniel Day Lewis on film often, but when you do, it's worth the wait. So let's get your thoughts. Christian got a chance to check yeah, this out. Yeah. So I got a chance this week to see Phantom Thread, and you and I were talking before the show. Like you said, he doesn't do films often. Uh, Lincoln in 2012 was the last time we saw a movie with Daniel Day Lewis in it. So. Phantom Thread, the storyline is basically we have the story of a fashion designer in England that has a unique relationship with one of his models. And this is introduced very early on, and it just carries throughout the rest of the film. Unique? And unique. Unique in a way that it's like an on-again, off-again relationship. Okay. And, and I chose relationship very carefully because you can choose to call it a romantic relationship. You can choose not to. Okay. Uh, just a unique relationship, okay. I'll say, without, without giving anything away. Um, and it very much explores that movie throughout. As I would have expected with a Daniel Day-Lewis movie, it's very character-driven. Okay. Um, not much in the way of plot. It's an interesting story, but there are very few actors, I think, that could have carried the story and made it an impressive piece of filmmaking besides Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay. Um, like you were saying, there were lots of scenes without dialogue that were really just carried by his facial expressions in the film and by the musical score. Uh, Johnny Greenwood, who's actually a member of Radiohead, uh, did the musical score for this, okay. and it's okay. this really classic, like old school 1950s Hollywood score. Lush strings, huh. yeah. the soft piano, um, really incredible. Especially not something I would have really expected from him uh, to have scored. But just there were entire scenes that you went minutes and minutes without dialogue, and him just playing music, and you just see Daniel Day Lewis's expressions as wow. he goes throughout his workday. Wow. And really, I think that's the element that carried this. Um, let's see. He just shined in the role, and I think that this was a film that was specifically made for him. I I don't really know the production details, so I I would be interested to see, was he on board with this before they'd really written the script? Because it very much seemed like he was meant for this role. 
Well, um, he, now he has worked with this director multiple yeah. times. Paul Thomas Anderson, yep. they've worked together a lot. But yeah, just a very old school style of film. Long lingering shots, big like wide scenery shots that set up for then like really close ups. Um, so really it's just a type of filmmaking that we don't see anymore. And um, I talked to a few people when we left the theater and some really enjoyed it. They really liked seeing Daniel Day-Lewis in it. Some got a little bored with it, which I personally didn't, but I can understand where they're coming from because, like I said, this isn't one of those action plots. There's not the huge climax throughout the story. It just kind of is telling his life and his relationship with one of his models, and that really carries the entire story is that relationship. And um, so I ended up giving Phantom Thread a B plus okay. because the story, when I was evaluating it from a story perspective, was a C, but the acting was just absolutely incredible and really elevated this film beyond just what a, a simple story could have been. And, and it, you felt like the music really worked for you, too. It, did. it was a little different, but it worked It did, for and it's actually up for Best Original Score at the Oscars, and it's getting a lot of attention, and I thought it was well-deserved. Yeah, and this is a film that, um, you know, you would really think a Daniel Day-Lewis film would, would, would automatically be considered, okay, this is going to be an Oscar winning type film he did win for yep. lincoln is that did. last outing yeah he yeah. did he, he he will not i would be really surprised if he won the oscar for this one mm -hmm. and, and a big part of that and we'll, we'll we'll definitely talk closer to it as we get to the oscars is they really didn't push this film throughout award season and and i and that hurts it you know that really does hurt it um i mean they didn't spend much money or much time at all mm -hmm. to make that happen. So. And that's a real shame because his performance in it was stellar. And I think if, maybe if they pushed it a little more, we could really see him rising to the top. And I mean, who knows? He, he might still. Yeah. I, I, in my mind, he's a front runner just well, based on okay. the performance. Okay. Um, so, so the movie is worth uh, worth recognition. Definitely worth recognition. Definitely worth checking out. All because of his his performance yep. in it. You, you said that some friends thought it was a little slow. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a danger nowadays for people who are maybe raised on fast cuts, MTV mm -hmm. type yep. of music video, fast action shots and edits that when you do have a, a picture that slows things down, takes his time, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ponders the circumstances of, of the characters, there's a perception by some people that, boy, this is slow, this is boring. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's one of, of the things. And that's a shame because they're missing out on missing out on the ambiance of a lot of films. Oh, I agree. And that's one of the things that... that um, Christian and also Catherine, we're going to bring them in throughout these next few months, and they're going to look at some classic films, uh, and they're going to look at it from the perspective of does it still is it still worthy of being classic, but also mm -hmm. looking at it through the the eyes and the minds of a, a twenty year olds, well twenty one year olds, but you know what I'm saying. So uh, so yeah, and so we're going to look at Hitchcock next right. week. Well, and that's exactly why I called it an old school type of film, is because it is taking its time. It's not worried about when can we get to the next exciting moment or the next dramatic, right. like, oh my goodness. Like, there aren't many of those in it. It's taking its time. It's lingering shots on people's faces, on scenery. And it very much reminded me of those films that we see in the 50s and 60s that a lot of my generation doesn't enjoy yeah. for that exact reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, good deal. Not a, Michael Bay did not direct this. <laughs> no, not, yeah. not okay. in the slightest. No, and Bruckheimer did not produce yeah. it. But come back after the break, and we are going to talk about a Bruckheimer-produced film that uh, may be worthy of seeing in theaters. That and Take 5 uh, right after this break. Oh, me in the movies.
Welcome back to Meet Me at the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II, hanging out with uh, Principal Ed Rooney over there. Principal Rooney, how are you, sir? Identify with him. <laughs> <laughs> and over to my right, uh, Mr. Christian Jessup. The, Still feeling cool. Cool. <laughs> Still feeling cool. He is the Critics' Choice Scholar. And uh, back behind the uh, scenes making this all happen, uh, Tim Foster and Tim Cam. Miranda, how are you? Is that Miranda? That's Miranda. Yeah, Miranda, good to see you. Thanks for being here. You're still awake back there, which is always good. I have to ask that question because we don't want the camera just stuck on me. You're somewhat awake. Somewhat. If anyone's going to be asleep, it's going to be the audience. Yes, <laughs> yes. And we are going to do a, uh, if you look behind uh, Mr. Tillman there, you will see those three chairs back behind him. We're going to bring in a studio audience of three at some point and, uh, and let them give us some uh, thoughts as well. You like I can only idea? imagine what that would be like. <laughs> or just some booze. Or, or what? Or just some booze. You know. <laughs> I could get some dummies from the medical lab down the hall. Yeah, yeah. yeah we could. We could do that. We'll see what we could do. Um, if you missed the first half of the show, we uh, talked about Vanum Thread, and you gave that a B plus. I did. Uh, also talked about Hostiles, gave that an A. And now we're going to quickly talk about uh, another film that's in theaters, and it's a Western really in its own right. Um, yeah. Greg, as you were saying during the break, uh, 12 Strong. Uh, this movie is a war film based on a true story and based on a book, a uh, 2009 bestseller called Horse Soldiers by uh, Doug Stanton. Uh, this movie takes place just weeks after 9-11. Uh, and uh, you've got a group of Special Forces men, 12 of them, that are really, really kind of volunteered to go in and, and take on this mission of finding um, a warlord uh, to team up with to try to wipe out this, this Taliban um, leader and that's what the story kind of follows is you know will these 12 find a way to do this it's, it's one of these missions that's truly under the radar not a lot of people know about it there's only 12 of them they're not going in just as consultants they're going in to help lead this effort so you, you think about the conflicts that they're going up against uh, not just man versus man character versus character because of the war but also cultural conflicts language barriers uh, and also um, the uh, horsebacks going up against tanks, and, yeah. and and yes, that is not something that would that was just thrown in for the sake of artistic exploration in the film. This actually did happen. And if you go to New York City, uh, you go to Liberty Park, you're going to see a monument, a huge bronze monument, uh, in honor of these men who the took horse on soldiers or whatever this they mission. Yeah, yeah, the horse soldiers. Wow. And uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth is in this, Michael mm -hmm. Shannon in this. They're the two two lead stars. There are other ones that you're going to recognize uh, as well as far as characters you're going to recognize. Uh, it's really a, a fascinating story. Uh, before the break, I was telling you that, uh, that my grandfather and I would watch war films, and we would also watch westerns together. Well, he was, uh, he was in the war. He was in World War II. Uh, he, he fought on the shores of Normandy. He was in Battle wow. of the Bulge. So this guy... You know, he fought in Patton's Third Army, so for him to watch these films afterwards, especially when I started becoming a teenager and we would talk a little bit more about his experience, it was pretty fascinating. And I, I've, every time I get a chance to see a war film in particular, I get a, a really a closer look into um, what my grandfather experienced. So for mm. me, these movies that I watch relating to war uh, are as personal as they are, um, you know, professional. And so this film is really solid. Um, it, it's, it's got uh, all that you would really look for in a war film. Uh, are there some liberties that are taken? Absolutely. That is always going to happen when you're basing something on a true story and you're taking it from page to screen. Relatively true to events. Relatively true yeah. to the events. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are some scenes that you watch and you, you, you find yourself asking, okay, did they do this just yeah, for... Yeah, I did. 
just for the audience. So you saw this too. Yeah, I saw okay. a couple nights ago. Um, well, anything else you want to ask story-wise before we no, get No, I mean, I'm like you. I, I, I sat there wondering, and you always do when you see something based on a real event, what really happened, what probably didn't happen. And to, to me, that pulls it out, pulls you out of the story a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm like you. I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a, a Jerry Bruckheimer action flick. Yeah, yeah, he produced Based this. on a true story. Right, so, he produced this. Yeah. Yeah, um, and Chris Hemsworth was solid. Everyone yeah. was good in it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was edited superbly. Yeah. Bruckheimer, it's yeah. not like he's new at this. Right, right. And it's, it's just a crowd pleaser. Yeah, it is. And, it, and it's got uh, scenes without dialogue, and, and it, you know, you have these action sequences followed by these kind of dramatic shots of, of setting stories up and, and, and looking at how characters interact with each other. And yeah. I really thought that was done the, well. Uh, the... Um, Afghanistani warlord that was he was working with that, that that Green Berets were working with. I don't know the actor, but he was fascinating. I yeah. thought he was really solid. In yeah, that. and stick around to the end of this movie because you'll see uh, kind of the follow-up. It'll give you um, it'll give you updates on what actually happened with those main characters as well. And so uh, yeah, I, I I was uh, really impressed with this, and uh, I I would actually go back and see this again. Um, and so I'm giving it an A minus. What is your rating um, on this? Yeah, I give it an A minus. Okay. It sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you like war films, um, recommend checking it out. Well, we've got time uh, to uh, take five with uh, Christian Jessup, and uh, let's look at five perfectly amazing film scores. All right. So first of all, my criteria for a perfectly amazing film score, I decided that I wanted to make sure that first of all it functioned perfectly within the film. You know, I may love the music for the movie, but if it doesn't work in the picture for me, then it's not perfectly amazing. And so I tried to separate that as far as like what I enjoy listening to and instead just look at what works best within the film. So first on my list, I have Casablanca from 1942. And that music is by Max Steiner, and it's really not his most well-known uh, musical score. He did King Kong, Gone with the Wind, so I mean, he was really on top of things in the in the movie scoring business the John this Williams time. of his day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or a lot of people probably Zimmer. say John Williams is the Max Steiner of his day. Right. Okay. <laughs> but um, but Casablanca for me just stands uh, uh, above the rest of his scores because in a movie that's a bunch of romanticized, you know, cliche moments that all work together, he created a perfectly romanticized cliche score. Okay. And it's so perfect and it just really helps the emotion of the film. The love theme as time goes by is, is still iconic and Warner Brothers still uses that as their logo theme. So whenever you go to the movies, oh, wow. if, if there's a Warner Brothers logo that plays, yeah. then that, that's actually the, the song as time goes by from Casablanca. Wow. All right, Star Wars is my next one. You know, it's hard not to include that on the list because really Star Wars 1977 by John <laughs> Williams, it brought film music to where yeah. it is today. You, you, there's, no, there, there's no arguing having this on a list of personally amazing yeah. scores. Um, you can compare it to even Wagner's operas in the 1800s. It's just this grand scale. And now that he's done eight films of this music, I mean, he's got hours and hours and hours of stuff, which really is like Wagner's, you know, 12 yeah, hour ring absolutely. cycle. And it's on such a large scale and so many themes that people still know. Okay, awesome. So Star Wars, Casablanca, mm -hmm. uh, what's number three on your list? Number three is The Mission, 1986, Ennio Morricone. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. I apologize if I'm not. Uh, and I know who you're talking about. You, you know who yeah. I'm talking about. And, and for uh, and Anita, if, if he's saying it wrong, let <laughs> us know. Let us know. Yeah, because I think we're probably saying it wrong. <laughs> probably. So we'll see. But he's actually um, really well known for the spaghetti western films yep. in the 60s and 70s. Yep. The a lot of Clint Eastwood stuff. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Clint Eastwood stuff. 
But The Mission was a much different film, and this is just him putting raw emotion on display. And really, it's just one of the most beautiful listening experiences I've ever, I've ever seen. And you just are watching the film mesmerized by it. I really think this is one of the cases where you see music become a character yep. in the film. Well, and that's, and that's really a, a tribute to Scorsese because mm -hmm. he loves music. And uh, if you watch any of his films, you'll, you'll see he approaches music as, a, as another character. So yeah. uh, let's, what's number uh, four on your list? Number four is Saving Private Ryan, another John Williams, 1998. And really, I think this is perfect, not only because of the music that's used in the film, but in the cases where music isn't used in the film. He okay. and Steven Spielberg decided that they didn't want any action music. And so if you go back and watch, none of the action scenes have any music at all. It's just mm -hmm. the sound effects and really gives you a sense of actually being there. Right, right. But then after the fact, when you look at the aftermath of the events, then just this really yeah. lush, soft, yeah. nostalgic, introspective music comes into play. And I think it's one of Williams' most beautiful patriotic scores that he's ever written. And it's really underappreciated because there's not much music, but when you listen to it and the moments it comes in, man, it's yeah. powerful. Awesome. So Saving Private Ryan, The Mission, Star Wars, Casablanca, and number five? Number five list. is Pirates of the Caribbean, specifically At World's End. Okay. Um, this is a franchise that I think contains some of the most memorable music of the 21st century. Really? Um, if you ask someone to, to hum anything written past 2000, I think that odds are this is probably the most hummable thing that they can they can think of. I'd the love, most I'd hummable thing. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I like I, that. I, I would love to to pull some people and say like, what's a movie theme that you could hum for me right now, written after 2000? I think that pirates would get it. Yeah, Greg, you had which one is this at World's End? I got to mix the third one. Um, the third one, which okay. I I thought for the longest time was going to be the last one. Yeah, and I maybe should kind of wish. End, I wish it had think. been. Yeah, well, they, they set it up like it would be. Yeah. Okay, that's the third. one. Right. But yeah, um, just a culmination of themes. It's just so many rich themes in this score that are recognizable even if people don't notice seeing them. If you play it for them, they'd immediately yep. know. And really it ushered in a new genre of film music to where it's almost like a rock and roll mixed yeah. with orchestra. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that it's the best of the 21st awesome. century. Awesome. Christian, thanks for that take five. We will definitely have Christian continue to come back and he'll continue to talk about music and movies as well. well. We are about out of time. Um, Ferris Bueller over there. That's right. Uh, Greg Tillman. Greg. I wish I wish I were happy. You wish you had a water tower that said save Greg on it. <laughs> you wish. Christian Jessup, thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Tim, Miranda, thank you guys back there behind the camera as always. Hey, and Joe, thank you for watching the show back there in the uh, cheap seats. Uh, we'll leave you with a quote. Quote of the week. Uh, this comes from 12 Soldiers. Uh, from Colonel Mulholland, and this was uh, Chris Hemsworth's character. Uh, the most important thing a man can take into combat is a reason why. Till next time, I'm Noel T. Manning II. There's something <laughs> flying around in here. Greg is swatting flies. It's a bat or something. <laughs> so until next time, <laughs> that's a wrap. <laughs>